It's Unleashed with me, John Lund, from KMBR Radio, episode number 37. Great 37s, Joe Delaney, Deion Sanders at the Ravens, Lester Hayes. Episode 37 for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. The Astros make history. When do the 49ers get these guys back, and how good will they be? Jordan Poole already catching grief for a contract that hasn't even started yet. The NBA has a cruising problem. It used to be a tanking problem. Now it's a cruising problem. And one for the road. What would you give up for your team to win a title? Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. It's Unleashed with me, John Lund, Canberra Radio in San Francisco. Thank you so much for making Unleashed your first stop for various sports talk each day. Please listen and subscribe. You're already listening, so we're halfway there. By the way, I'm going to put a, a date on the YouTube channel. They are uh, putting the studio together quite nicely, putting some electricity together, looking good. Uh, the YouTube channel, I want to say, is coming Monday, November 14th. So subscribe or get your favorite podcast. We'll have the YouTube channel up very shortly. Check me out on my uh, day job on KNBR 680 in San Francisco, the blowtorch. If you're not in the Bay Area in San Francisco, then you can uh, check it out at KNBR.com. And please interact with the show anytime. Uh, whether you love it, whether you hate it, uh, things you like, things you don't, things we can improve on, and more importantly, and most importantly, I should say, is uh, questions, interactions, anything you have to say, because I'd love to get you uh, on the show. So uh, give me your thoughts, and once we get the YouTube channel up too, we'll post the tweets and all that kind of stuff like everybody does. So make sure that you do that and interact with the show. I'd love to hear from you. So here's what we do if you're new to the uh, program, new to the podcast. Thank you and welcome, first and foremost. And then what we do is uh, we start with the big story of the day. We try to make it so that uh, you are an informed member of society. And, you know, people say a water cooler. I don't know if there's even a water cooler anymore. But uh, so that you are an informed member of, of society in the Bay Area and Bay Area sports. And uh, we start with the leadoff spot, which is the big story. Put a few stories in there. And always one for the road. And uh, we got an interesting one for the road today. So, again, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe Please uh, get ready for the YouTube channel and, again, interact with the show at John Lund Radio. It's time for today's Big Lead. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. And he bounces it to third. Pick clean by Bregman. The throw across. Got him. And history tonight here in Philadelphia. The Astros pitch the second no-hitter in the history of the World Series. It's the first combined no-hitter in postseason history. Javier, Abreu, Montero, and Ryan Presley. And for the Astros... History's cool. The most important thing, they even this series at two games apiece. Feel when you realize it, this is just the second World Series no no. Yeah, I really don't give a <laughs> No, move on to tomorrow. It's cool. We'll be in the history books, I guess. <laughs> so, first of all, let me explain something. I don't normally, on the uh, podcast, we talk about San Francisco sports, but I say this all the time. It's kind of like my radio show on KMBR. Whatever the big stories are, we try to give them to you every single day so that you are informed. Now, we mainly have a focus on Bay Area stories, but like in yesterday's podcast, we'd be foolish to not talk about what's going on with Kyrie Irving or the other big stories. And there are ways that they affect uh, what's going on with the local teams. But when a 
no hitter is thrown in the World Series, and only the second of all time, Don Larson's, was a perfect game in 1956 for the Yankees. We would be foolish to not discuss that. And first of all, there is a local flavor because Dave Fleming, the voice of the Giants, if you listen to San Francisco Giants games on KNBR, Dave Fleming is a friend of mine, and he called that on the international feed for ML for a Major League Baseball. So there's Dave Fleming. Sounds weird. I like it better when Dave Fleming is calling Giants World Series games, but he is great, and he made that call in the final out of the Astros no-hitter against the Phillies to tie this series at two games apiece. Christian Javier struck out to nine batters with two walks. Uh, then Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, and Ryan Presley each worked an inning Five strikeouts in 10 batters faced for the relievers. So the thing that is remarkable about that, too, is, and you probably know this, the Phillies at home in the postseason came into the game last night 6-0, averaging seven runs per game and 17 home runs, including five the night before and seven runs, and they shut out the Astros, so they turned right around and no-hit the Phillies. And uh, Kyle Schwarber was the guy that you heard from the Phillies clubhouse. Eh, not impressed. So what? We're in the record books. I, I don't know if everybody has that attitude, but certainly as a professional athlete, and I'm not saying it because I know what it's like to be a professional athlete, but I have covered clubhouses, games, World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, long enough to know in this business that professional athletes are great at turning the page. You and I as average old people, not old people, but you know what I mean, average people, uh, it's harder. We hold on to things longer, maybe. But athletes, they're just that's what they're conditioned to do. They have a game tomorrow. They can't sit there and go, oh, we no hitter. We're going to go in the record books. They're trying to win a World Series. And as you heard Dave Fleming say at the end of the call there, it's nice and everything, and it does go down in the history books, and it's pretty cool for these guys later on in their career. But just in terms of uh, the game itself or the series itself, they, they just want to win a World Series, and that's the biggest and most important thing. But as I was watching that game, and I'm sure you've gone to games, uh, have you ever gone to a game where just nothing happens for your team and the way that feels? I've gone to some playoff games. I took my son to an A's playoff game a couple of years ago against the Tampa Rays, and the Rays hit a home run early in that game. I think it was in the first or the second inning. It was the first inning, actually, because we had just sat down. And the A's did nothing. I like two, three hits the whole game. Never really mounted a uh, any kind of a threat. And I think the Rays got up something like 3 nothing, and then it was like, well, they're not going to score. It felt like 13 nothing. I've uh, been to a couple of ga- uh, hockey playoff games like that, too. I've covered some games like that where the team is either never in it. You know, they're down. Like, if it's a basketball game, of course you're going to score points, but they're down like 25-30 the whole time. Hockey games where the team gets shut out. Baseball games where just they never mount a threat. In fact, I think it was 2014, again, with the A's, where Scherzer just absolutely shoved, and they're just they're going – they're never going to score. So I, I know how those people felt, especially coming off, off a game in which it was just an absolute madhouse. We had Tim Kirchin on my uh, KNBR show on Wednesday, and Kirchin was saying that he was doing the pregame show with Carl Ravitch on the field. Game hadn't even started yet, and he and Ravitch were sitting right next to each other at Citizens Bank Park, and they couldn't hear each other talk pregame. They couldn't hear each other talk pregame. And then when all the Phillies started hitting those home runs, I mean, the place had to – had to register on the Richter scale. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. And then one night later, you're sitting on your hands going, could we get something? They got nothing. So anyway, we want to lead off with the no-hitter because that is such a rare occurrence. Don Larson threw a perfect game in 1956 for the Yankees. 
no combined no hitters. That's just the day and age we live in now. <laughs> combined no hitter. Even if you're throwing a no hitter, you're not staying in the game. Even if you have a big lead, you're not staying in the game. Combined no hitter for the Astros and the World Series is tied at two games apiece. Next. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're pretty optimistic to get a number of guys back. Um, you know, it's kind of tough because all those guys stay here this whole week in rehab. So. Um, you know, that's why I didn't want to really give an update on each one. I mean, we are hoping that most of them will come back, and we feel pretty good about that. But um, they got to have a good week here rehabbing, and we'll find out here when we get back from Monday. All right, that is Kyle Shanahan, and he did not want to provide exactly timetables for guys, but this is the most important portion for the 49ers, and it is a bye week, and we'll um, talk about some things also on Friday's podcast, where the team is, all those different kind of things, have a little bit of fun on a bye week. But here's what I know and talking to some people and, and some people who are in the know, and then we'll come to kind of a conclusion on what's going on here. But uh, week nine versus the Chargers, who, here's who you can expect back after the bye. So Kyle used check with a finger. Uh, Debo could have played against the Rams, but they wanted to give that hamstring a little bit of time. So Debo's hammy. He's going to be back. Armstead is the most interesting of the group and the most up in the air. And so he had the plantar fasciitis, and that's where the foot injury is. And Tim Ryan, the analyst of the 49ers, who I talked to on a regular basis, was saying that when that thing kind of broke, it would be a few weeks after that, Eric Armstead would be back. But there's an ankle issue that's going along with this whole thing, and it's complicating things. So while if I was a betting man, I would tell you Chargers, Juice is coming back and Debo's coming back. Armstead's still a little bit up in the air, but they are aiming for that. Dre Greenlaw with the calf. Chargers, uh, I won't, again, I won't say absolutely like those other two guys, but I'd say that's probably an 80 to 90% chance that you're getting Dre Greenlaw, and Dre Greenlaw was playing some really good football. So, uh, and Elijah Mitchell's the other guy. Elijah Mitchell was out week one with the sprained MCL. He's starting to look good. So, what I would tell you is Juice and Debo are for sure the Chargers. I'd say Elijah Mitchell would be the most likely at, after that, Dre Greenlaw after that. And I'd say Armstead, although I'm still a little bit nervous about Armstead. That's what I would put for the Chargers game. As far as the November 21st game against the Cardinals in Mexico City, again, maybe Armstead there, if not the Chargers game. And then Javon Kinlaw, who was placed on the injured list on October 15th and is eligible to return for that game, November 21st versus Arizona in Mexico City. But I think his case is the strangest of them all. Uh, there's been very little tangible news, and so I don't expect him to play against the Cardinals in Mexico City. I could be wrong on that one, but when you here's what I know many years as being a reporter and covering teams, that when you don't hear news, when the questions are asked and it's vague, that's when you know that there's just kind of nothing going on. There hasn't been negative news come out about Javon Kinlaw, but I also think that the organization with this whole knee thing, and the original injury was in Dallas a couple of years ago, and it's just kind of bothered the guy. And I'm not going to – he's certainly not soft. He's working really hard. Um, but I do think he's a guy that is still, given his age, is still trying to work through injuries and play with injuries. There's a skill to that. And I would think that – and I'm, I'm just saying that that's where I think Javon Kinlaw is. I'm not saying he's not hurt. He is hurt. I'm not saying he's not working hard. He is working hard. But I do think that there's, as they always say, there's a difference between being hurt and injured, and I'm not so so sure that he knows the difference. And I also know that the organization wants to make things right. They don't want to just keep jerking it around where he's he's back, he's not, he's not, he is. Uh, those kind of things, they want to get him back on a regular basis. 
for the rest of the season. Like with all these guys, they don't want to push anybody back too soon. They want to make their run kind of like last year. Okay, guys have been hurt early in the season. Now let's get everybody back at the same time. Let's get continuity amongst this thing, and then let's make a run for this. That's what the 49ers want to do. So they don't want to push Kinlaw back. So I would think that Kinlaw may be November 21st, but of the entire group, I think that he is the strangest story right now of all the injuries. Then it becomes Saints on the no- on November 27th, Dolphins December 4th, uh, Aziz Alshire is a couple of weeks behind. He's got the same injury that uh, Mitchell had, Elijah Mitchell, with the sprained MCL. Again, they're taking him a little bit more slowly. He's a couple of weeks behind Mitchell, so that either means Dolphins on the 27th, or excuse me, the yeah, the Saints on the 27th, Dolphins on the 4th uh, for that one. And then as far as Jason Verrett is concerned, his is a little bit strange, too. He's practicing, but it's a matter of two things. When they feel he's ready after a long layoff, remember, he hasn't played. He blew that knee out again, and he's had multiple injuries in his career, but the latest blowing out that knee in Detroit, that was week one, 2021. So he's got to ramp up to speed. They did have that window that they opened it up for the practices. Then they activated him onto the team, but he still has a, a little ways to go, and it's really a trust factor, and it goes back to a couple of years ago, if you remember – Against Pittsburgh, I think they put him on the field, and they think they put him on the field too early. He got a a penalty, then he gave up a touchdown, and then they pulled him off the field, and they don't want to do that again. Yes, they need someone opposite on a consistent basis of Chevarius Ward, but I don't know that that's going to be Jason Verrett. In concept, because he's been so good when and if, and those are big, and those are in bold, and those are in and those are underlined, and those are capped when and if. He is healthy. Jason Verrett is fully capable of being a corner on a really good defense opposite Javarius Ward. But right now, we just don't know. And I don't trust. Now, they're starting to get a pass rush together. And if all these guys get back, like Armstead and so forth, and they're rushing the passer to the level that they are. And by the way, they're using kind of a, if you haven't noticed, they're using kind of a New York Giants NASCAR package in which their ends, in which Drake Jackson and Charles Amenehue go on to the inside in passing situations. And then Ebukam and Bosa are on the outside, and the Giants used that to such effect to win a Super Bowl. And that's kind of what they've been forced to do with their defensive tackle injuries is to move those guys inside. When Armstead comes back, he'll be in there. Kinlaw, I would imagine, still wouldn't be in there on passing downs. Um, he's better against the run. I think he can help against that, his big body against the run, and keep a NASCAR-style package uh, on the inside when he returns. But back to Verrett, that's just one where they want – to 100% feel comfortable with him. They want him to be comfortable as well. Uh, The Cardinals is a pivotal game on November 21st. It's a divisional game. So I would think if the corners are struggling, and Demo Lenore has been up and down. He did play well against the Rams. I know they don't trust Ambry Thomas to the level that they would like to. And Sam Womack, after having a great preseason, he's a rookie. And he's played like a rookie for the most part. He's been good on special teams, but... Uh, I'm not sure that they feel comfortable, especially as we get down the stretch here, and they want to tighten up the screws on everything. So they'd like Jason Verrett to be that guy, but they want to be 100% sure that uh, he is ready to go. So by the end of the month, it could be Juice, Debo, Armstead, Greenlaw, Mitchell, Verrett, and hopeful on Kinlaw and Alshire. So if they get general health at that point, I think the 49ers are probably the scariest team in the NFC. And, yes, I'm including the Eagles in that. Give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio. Wanted to give you a rehab update on everybody because we talk so much about injuries with this team. 
and I know that there'll be injuries between now and then. So you say, geez, all those guys are going to be back, and then we're going to have the guys that we're going to have. Well, it's the NFL, and everybody gets hurt. So if you can have general health and then get all those guys back, the 49ers could do something that they did last year, which was they went, they got healthy, and then they got to the NFC Championship game. And with the type of team that they have, I think they're even more talented than they were a year ago. So they could even go farther. But they've got to get healthy, A, and B, they've got to get general health from here. So that is the update. And we'll have a further update on the 49ers tomorrow, uh, Friday, and we'll do the and we'll do a little bit more as they get into the bye week. But that is the injury update, which everybody seems to be so interested in. Next. Bull hit one three. We saw him make five. Uh, discontinued. Another discontinued dribble. That's wild. How many three is that? in one game? That's crazy. That is Bob Fitzgerald and Kalena Azubuki on NBC Sports Bay Area. And uh, a frustrating game for Jordan Poole in the loss to the Miami Heat. They take a break, and then now they take on the Orlando Magic. But the thing that I find to be interesting, and we're just searching for stories here because we all know, and I'm going to get into this in a second after we talk about Jordan Poole. I'm going to talk about the start to the NBA season in general. But we all know that the that the Warriors are kind of putting this thing on cruise control. The commissioner had to worry about uh, teams tanking, and now he's going to have to worry about teams putting it on cruise control. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But we need something to talk about. Uh, but there's 82 games in a regular season, and we know what the Warriors are going to be at the end of this thing. They're probably going to have 50-something wins. They're going to be a certain seed in the NBA playoffs. They probably won't have the best record, but they can beat you on your court. So it's going to be no problem. They're going to be fine. But along the way, we have to have content, right? We have to talk about something. The TED Warriors are the most popular team and most valuable team in the NBA. So not only locally do we have to talk about them and over-dissect them eight or nine games into the season. Uh, I don't generally look at a team in any sport until about 25% through the season to start to make some sort of evaluation on what the team is or is not. So anything before that is just made because you got to talk about something and we have to have some content and the Warriors are the uh, team in the NBA that people like to talk about the most, uh, them and the Lakers. That's really the two teams and really the Nets because of all the weirdness that's going on around the Nets. So the Nets, the Lakers, the Warriors, depending on the day or the week, are the uh, flavor. And right now they are getting overshadowed because of the Russell Westbrook story in the Lakers and because of Kyrie Irving and what's going on with the Nets and changing coaches and everything else. So they're not being talked about as much nationally, but the Aries are talked about locally. And the buzz in the Bay on Wednesday was somehow because Jordan Poole now makes a bunch of money, which, by the way, his contract doesn't even kick in until next year. But because he signed a big contract, he has to be a more consistent player. And in the age of analytics, do remember that you are paid on not what you've done, which used to be the case in all sports, but it's what you're going to be, you're paid on what you're going to do. Well, Jordan Poole is 23 years old. He's going to have clunkers. He's incredibly talented, but he is not and never will be Steph Curry. So let's not hold him to that standard, especially this early in his career. Steph Curry wasn't Steph Curry at 23. So we played that highlight there, and Steve Kerr was really upset because Jordan Poole, by rule, was carrying the basketball. It is a violation. And Steve Kerr said there was some email sent and that they were going to make this a point of emphasis, and he didn't check his email on that day, and all blah, 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 whatever the case may be. But that led to social media getting all over Jordan Poole because he makes so much money now, and he shouldn't have games like that, and blah, 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 blah. Look, I don't care what a guy makes. Once a guy signs a contract, so what? Whether he's underpaid, overpaid, whether he makes a bunch of money, whether he, whether he takes a bunch of cap room on a team, doesn't matter. 
people complained about Andrew Wiggins when he make, made a bunch of money and now he signs what's perceived to be an undermarket deal and, te- and people are scratching their head over that. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It matters how productive you are. So Jordan Poole, when he was a, when he was, uh, a bargain, uh, we could somehow look at him differently than when he makes a bunch of money and he should produce more and he should have less clunkers. He's 23 years old. The one thing I want Jordan Poole to do is I want him to stay uh, humble like Steph so they can continue the, the way that this team works and the leadership of it because Jordan Poole is going to be the leader of a bunch of young guys sooner rather than later. And I'm talking about Kaminga and Wiseman and guys like that and maybe Patrick Baldwin, Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins and some of these other young players that the Warriors have hopes for. He's going to be the guy that's going to be around. So when you try to pass the torch from one guy to another – like the Spurs did David Robinson to Tim Duncan down to Kawhi Leonard, you want a certain atmosphere for your team. And that, to me, is why the Warriors are the Warriors and the Nets are the Nets, Because and the Spurs were the Spurs, because you had unselfish leaders. And it was, and everything started with those guys. You could have the best coach or the worst coach. It doesn't, I mean, it matters. But the players police themselves ultimately. The players make the atmosphere ultimately. And so I want Jordan Poole to look at Steph Curry, certainly more than I want him to look at Draymond Green and say, this is what I want the franchise to be moving forward. And when I pass that crown over to you, you need to be ready for it. He's 23. He's not going to be Steph Curry. He's never going to be Steph Curry. He's not going to be the leader Steph Curry's going to be. He's not going to be the player Steph Curry's going to be. He shows flashes, and he's fun, and he's interesting, and and he's got handles, and and he's going to mature, and he's going to be a really good player. But to ever expect him to be what Steph Curry is – is crazy, but the thing that bothered me uh, yesterday was more about somebody saying, and then the narrative got run with that somehow because he makes a money a bunch of money, he's supposed to be a more consistent player. He will be, but it's just going to take time, and we forget he's 23 years old. So lead the new guys, be as consistent as possible. I didn't love the the emphasis of the rule, whatever. I really don't care, but I know this: money has nothing to do with it. And I don't want him to pick up lazy habits. And I want him to try to be the leader that Steph Curry is, the leader that he is, the atmosphere that he provides. Those are the kind of things that if I'm the organization and before he put pen to paper, I said, Jordan, this is what the expectations are moving forward. Yes, be a great player, but continue the tradition of what this team and organization is. He's not going to be great every night, no matter how much money he makes. Next. I told you that I was going to talk about the NBA, and I'd love them to shorten the season, but that's, there's no way. It's a business, and they're never going to do this. And I'm not going to be get-off-my-lawn guy, but I grew up, and the really good teams when I grew up, the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bulls and later the Jazz and the Sonics. And if you were a top team, it reflected in the standings. You, The best teams won 60-or-something games. The really good teams won 50-something games. The pretty good teams won in the high 40s, and that's just kind of how, how it went. Now – the Bucks are off to a 6-0 and start. The Suns are off to a 7-1 and start. But if you look at the Western Conference, as of this recording, the Blazers are 5-2 and and the Jazz are 6-2 and and the Spurs are 5-3. and I don't expect those teams to make the playoffs. Uh, the Warriors are 12th in the West at 3-5. and The Clippers haven't even really gotten Kawhi back. He's played a little bit. They're 4-4. Four and four. Dallas in the Western Conference Finals, and I like that they picked up Christian Wood. They're 4-3. and three. Over in the East, Philly's 4-5. and five. The Heat won 53 and had the best record in the East last year. They're 4-5. and five. The Celtics have a new coach. They're 4-3. and three. My point is some of the best teams in the NBA are off to these kind of starts. And back in the day with the really great teams, those teams won 
into the 60s and in Jordan's case into the 70s and in the Warriors case a 73 win season the regular season used to be important the goal used to be you win as many games as you can you go through the season as hard as you can you get a bunch of wins no matter what kind of aspirations you have even if you're a title team I mean Magic's Lakers won 60 games I mean that's just what they did they tried to win as many as they can it wasn't about resting and it wasn't about missing games and it wasn't about keeping an eye on the playoffs and making sure we're rested and I mean to a point it was but not to what it is today and I get it they've all got monitors on them and this is the way it's got to be and this guy's got to rest and this and that and I, I totally get it and it was Greg Popovich's San Antonio Spurs that did it uh, Steve Kerr is a disciple of that they saw how long uh, it saved their careers. There's a bunch, you know, you, you lose tread on the tire when you do all those things. And let's be honest, there's no need for a team like the Warriors to go pedal to the metal for 82 games. But that's what it used to be is you're supposed to go pedal to the metal and play 40 minutes and play 82 games. And then you go through the playoffs and that's what a true champion is. But we don't do that anymore. We don't do it in baseball. Starters go five innings. Guys need days off. There's all these monitors that they wear and we'll tell you when you're tired. No, I'm not tired. No, you're tired. Yeah, you got to take this game off. So it's not going to change. But what I'm saying is, is that as we complain about the early season, and I've watched a ton of basketball, and I, as I always do, and I try to look around the league and see what teams are doing, you know, teams are just kind of half-assing it. And that's what it is. And so we have to have content every day on the Warriors but the reality of it is, is those teams that I just talked about to the middle, to the bottom, that are going to be teams that are in the playoffs, are, it's almost like practice. We had Bryant Young on my KNBR show, the former San Francisco 49er who's now in the Hall of Fame, and he was telling me that he was a veteran, and Joe Staley, who's soon to be in the Hall of Fame and is on my KNBR show every Monday, was a rookie when Bryant Young was in his final year, and Joe Staley was coming at him hardcore the entire practice, and finally Bryant Young flipped him with like one arm and then put his finger in Joe Staley's face, and he went, Rook, I told you to slow down. That's kind of what the Warriors are doing, and the Celtics are doing, and the Heat are doing, and the Clippers are doing, and the Mavericks are doing. And meanwhile, the Blazers are 5-2, and two, the Jazz are 6-2, and two, and, the, and the Spurs are 5-3, and three, and they're all going, ha, 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 ha. they're like, that, that was my puppy, puppy thing. They're like puppies running around, and you see the old dog laying down going, when's this guy going to mellow out, man? So they're not, they're not really trying. Now you're still paying full prices when you go to the games and $20 beers and all those kind of things. Whoa, 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 we're not doing that. But really, it's an extended exhibition season at least for the first, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 games of the year, right around the All-Star game. They start, you know, well, before the All-Star game, maybe around Christmas, I guess they start cranking it up. Like, okay, let's start cranking it up. And then they, they crank it up another notch around the All-Star game, and then they crank it up another notch right before the playoffs because now now you're like, oh, geez, we're playing for positioning. we got to win a couple of these last games. And then the first round, then you crank it up to the next round. And what you're trying to do, if you're the Warriors especially, is by the time the finals roll around, you're playing your best basketball of the year. You're as healthy as you've been. And I just told you about the 49ers. This is what the 49ers have done now for the second consecutive year. You can't determine when your injuries are. But if the 49ers have some early in the season and now they're starting to get healthier, it's about kind of timing this thing out to where you're the best when it counts. Now, college football is different, and people can complain about college football all they want, but college football, if you lose a game in week six, it might be done. You know, Alabama loses to Tennessee. Maybe they have a chance to get back in it, but there's so few games in college football, and every game matters that if you lose one, you might be out of the national title hunt. NBA doesn't work like that, clearly. Ah, we'll get to it.
So, yeah, we need some content to talk about. The Warriors aren't playing great defense and this, that, and the other. But a bunch of other teams are already pacing themselves in the NBA. And I know that the commissioner, Adam Silver, is worried about tanking and we got to make sure if teams don't tank. Well, you got to make sure the teams don't cruise too much either. And even if a guy is playing, okay, we got a national game. we got to play Steph Curry. got to play this guy. got to play that guy. Well, sometimes these guys don't want to play, even if they're playing, if you catch my drift. Anyway, that's what the NBA is right now. It's not going to change. I get it. But it just makes for bad basketball who, who on many nights with players who don't really care. It's time for One for the Road. What would you give up for a Phillies World Series? Uh, I feel like you don't need all your all your toes. <laughs> so, oh wait, so is this just one toe or is this a couple of toes? Easy, buddy. You know, just a toe is still important. <laughs> toe one toe is not enough. So, get out of here. He's losing appendages. Gallbladder. I heard you don't need that. <laughs> that is Miles Teller, uh, the actor. He was just in uh, Maverick. The new Maverick movie, whatever they're calling that. I I, I liked uh, War Dogs. What was it? He and Jonah Hill, they ran guns, and it was a true story. That thing was crazy. Anyway, that was my favorite Miles Teller role. So you heard him there. Some guy, you know, he got the, the guy, the goofy guy running around in a game, and he sees Miles Teller, and he asks him what he would give up, what he would part ways with for a, a Phillies championship. And, and I often say this. It's not that it's – it's better or worse or anything like that. But on the West Coast, we're laid back. We're laid back sports fans. We want we want our teams to win. Don't get me wrong. But if they don't win, we don't have harsh winners. We can go to the beach or go drink wine or go do, you know, we, we got stuff to do. I've lived in the East. I've lived in the South. I've lived all parts of the country and covered sports. And especially in that part of the country, look, winner's coming, man. And we want our team to win. And it's, it's just a hardcore, different style of mentality. So I think if you ask someone on the West Coast, what would you give up for your team to win a championship? How about nothing? How about I'm not giving up a finger, not even my little toe I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up firstborn. We're not going Rumpelstiltskin. We're not, like, we're, we're not giving up anything. Like, I want my team to win. But if you're telling me that i got to give something up, no, I'm not giving something up. I'm not giving up my dog. I'm not giving up, like, I'm not giving up anything. Uh, but he says a small toe. Now, it sounds like he was drinking, so I don't think that he would – uh, give up a small toe. Although I will say that in my earlier days when I was doing a crazy morning show, we did do bits where if a guy's team lost, we'd make bets with listeners that one time we shaved a guy's eyebrows off and that was freaky. Uh, a guy had to run naked like a paintball, but we couldn't shoot him in the face. Like he had a he had a, uh, like a pair of goggles on, but he did run in like a leopard print Speedo, and he did get uh, quite a few welts. We had a bunch of listeners out there. We tased the guy one time, which that, that was a little scary. Uh, I had to put a f- football helmet on, and he fell to the ground. We pepper sprayed a guy. That's when we ended it because we pepper sprayed a guy, and it got in his eyes, and he was screaming that he was blind. I'm blind! And our the lawyers for the radio station I worked at, they were like, yeah, this that's the end of this bit. So, you know, we did it after the fact, but I don't think anybody would actually lose a toe. I think Miles Teller was actually uh, drinking there. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, when I try to predict fan behavior, I say this on the air all the time on KMBR, when I try to predict fan behavior, I am often wrong. So at John Lund Radio, would you really give something up, uh, something off your body, your dog, your cat, your firstborn, your lastborn? I don't know. Like, is it that important to you that your team wins a championship? I've, I've always, just to go off on a little bit of a tangent on championships, I think it's great. 
my family grew up in Chicago, so I was never a, the biggest Cubs fan, but I was really happy for my family in 2016 when they fin- finally won it because it had just been so long and they were into it and they were crying and they were emotional. So maybe somebody in my family, a, a distant cousin or something that grew up in Chicago, might have given something up because it had been so long. But I just I, – championships are fleeting, like especially in today's really fast news cycle. So a team wins a championship, and all that happens the day after the championship – so we talk about championship, 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 talk about it all season long – and then they win a championship, and then they get a night, and then the very next morning, all the articles that are written and everything that is said, and this happened with the Warriors in their latest championship, can they repeat? Can they repeat? Can they repeat? Can they repeat? Like, that's the next day. So there's not even time for you to really bask in it. You quickly have a parade, as they had last year, and I was at that parade. You quickly have a parade. It's a whole lot of fun. Everybody gets drunk. Somebody grabs the microphone. I mean, we know what, it, know what those are all about. You know, the community comes together, you have a great time, hugging, whatever, confetti falls, schools you know, are closed or whatever. You miss that day. They're on school buses. They're, they're waving. They're, they're spraying champagne. And then the next day, everybody writes and says, can they do it again? Can they do it again? Can they do it again? Vegas comes out with odds. We talk about those odds. I mean, that's it. You get like 48 hours to celebrate, and that's your championship. And then you can say, hey, we won a championship. I don't know. I'm not saying the championships are overrated. What I'm saying is is that people say that they'll give up an appendage, which I don't think anybody really would, and then a championship is almost over right when you win it, and the discussion flips to, can we do it again? And you don't even get time to enjoy it. You get a parade, and then you don't even really get time to enjoy it. And now the, it feels like the, the Warriors just got done with the damn parade, and we're already into the season. Anyway, I'm not angry about it. I'm just saying. Anyway, it goes back to Miles Teller saying he consider parting ways with a toe in exchange for the Phillies to win a World Series. So it comes full circle. Astros get the <laughs> the uh, combined no-hitter. We start with that, even though we generally start with Bay Area sports. We had to do that, and we end it on Miles Teller saying maybe, just maybe, he would give up a toe for the Phillies to win a championship. And that, my friends, is one for the road. And that is Unleashed, episode 37 for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. Thank you for making Unleashed your first stop for Bay Area Sports Talk each day. Please listen what you are doing. Thank you. Subscribe where you get your favorite podcast. Remember, the YouTube channel is coming Monday, November 14th. My day job, KMBR, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Poppy, each day. Please make sure you tune in, KMBR 680 and KMBR.com. And interact with the show anytime. We use the best ones. Just hit me up at John Lund Radio. That's episode 37. Unleashed various sports talk for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network.